Well, let's say it. The Word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, I, word. I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. So everybody tell your neighbor, it is just that simple. You can be seated, live the word. By the way, live the word as your vote. Glory to God. Can you believe what's happening in our nation? Oh, hallelujah. How many of you are aware of the latest developments, situation with our FBI director and with our attorney general? And Oh, my goodness. You know, we, I think maybe we ought to bring back the, the days of dueling where you just come up to somebody and say, you know, I don't really like you and let's duel and we'll go out and shoot one another and we'll just pray God will anoint the best guy who's going to live the word of God to get the first shot in. Now turn to your neighbor. They may be a visitor and say, I think he's just joking. Although sometimes I'm not too sure about that. It seems like the, the it, it seems like just like things can't become more bizarre and they become more bizarre. Folks, I tell you what. You vote for whoever you think should be in office. But the word of God is very clear regarding abortion, regarding sexual promiscuity, regarding situations and circumstances with marriage and the sanctity of marriage. And this election is a no-brainer if you want to vote the Word of God. It is a no-brainer. So turn to your neighbor and say, if you got a brain, you know how to vote. If you're going to vote the Word of God and the will of God. Now, I realize that we've got a fixed canon to vote for, and we've got a loose canon. I have chosen the loose canon. You choose whoever you want. I think if the loose canon gets elected, it is going to be fun to watch the headlines every day because there'll be a bunch of expletives that are deleted out. But you know what? I don't really give up. If you... If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Psalms 34. My wife can fill in the blank. She thought she married a really nice guy. And then, and then after a few days, she says, oh, glory to God. You, the girl that you married, I read the girl, yeah. The girl that you talked to before you married me said, he's kind of got a foul mouth. So, you know, he's just being sanctified. I talked to a guy, or talked to a guy, I listened on the radio to a guy the other day that was on Fox News, and he had personally uh, witnessed to Donald Trump. Uh, he's a multi-billionaire, and uh, he's a, a, I didn't know his name, but many other people did. And he said, yep, Donald acknowledged Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but he said he's really uh, awfully rough around the edges, and remember that sanctification comes in gradual, uh, 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 it works its way in you, and it hasn't really fulfilled yet in Donald Trump. And I thought, yeah, I can see that. And he was talking about some of the things that, that happen in all of us, so it's always progressive. Your number one weapon against fear is the word today. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're here at the right time. Your number one weapon against fear. <clears throat> Some of us could say trust in God. Some of us could say faith in God. Some of us could say a lot of different things. They're all important. They're all relevant. But your most important weapon against fear is love. And we're going to talk about that today. Every single one of us Faith, fear. Every single one of us know what it's like. We may pretend that we don't have it come against us, but you all have experienced fear from time to time. You'll experience it again 
It's one of the number one tools that the devil loves to use against the people of God. And if you understand the Word of God and how important love is, and if you understand how much God loves you, then you will never be fearful of anything. The Word of God says in Isaiah that in the end times, that people, uh, they're going to take good and call it evil, uh, it's Isaiah 520, and they're going to take evil and call it good. We're living in that society today where, oh, the things that used to be evil, they're trying to call good. They're not good. They're still sin. You can make a resolution of something, but it's still sin. You know, I resent the fact, I told my wife this, and I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but it just became so real to me. I resent the fact that in Lafayette, Indiana, and West Lafayette, Indiana, and many places around the country, they are having resolutions where uh, you cannot discriminate against anyone of a transgender nat- nature uh, based on whatever restroom they want to use. If they want to do that, that's fine. But you know what they tacked onto that? And I just didn't realize it until a few days ago. They tacked onto that military heroes and veterans who served in our armed forces. And they said, you can't discriminate against them either. They put that into an ordinance with people who can't figure out what bathroom to use. And they stuck in our great military people who have served our nation. Tell everybody next to you, that is stupid. I don't like to be included in a group of people who are operating in sin. I love people that operate in that because so does God, but he wants them to be set free. And we don't want to take our military and stick them in there. And that's exactly what the mayor of Lafayette and the mayor of West Lafayette did. One a Democrat, one a Republican. That just goes to show you you can't trust either party. And you knew that already. Now, we've got to get to the point when we understand who we are in Christ, and we're not going to be moved by what we see. When you look at what's coming, and you've heard me say this a lot in the church, you study Matthew 24, you study 2 Timothy chapter 3, folks, we are there. The world is burning and we are there. America is still a great light to this world But we've got to be set in who we are, walking in fullness of the power, the authority, and the dominion of God, and not allowing fear to get a hold of us. Let me see the hands of all the people you know from time to time you experienced fear in your life. My hand is raised also. And when that fear comes, you have to know how to rebuke it. You have to get rid of it, because if you don't, you will entertain it in your mind, and you will dwell upon it. I feel Like I have been delivered from fear, but I have never, ever felt fear like I did the last time I went to the hospital. And they decided again, they're going to have to put three, what did they put in me? Two stents or three? Two? Only two. Okay. Only two stents this time. And and when they put those two stents in, I was fine. I was feeling really good about it. Pam was up to see me the night before the thing. And all of a sudden, I'm laying there in bed asleep and I'm, I'm sound asleep, and all of a sudden, I feel an evil presence. How many of you have ever felt just an evil, overwhelming? I just felt this evil, overwhelming presence. And I looked up, and I didn't see anything, and I shut my eyes, and then I just, it, it was like I saw something, but I don't know how to describe it. And all I heard was this eerie voice, I'm going to kill you. You are going to die. I heard that so loud, and all of a sudden, I just felt this fear flush through my body. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
you can relate to, just flush through my body. And all of a sudden, I just start saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, sound mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Boy, the first couple of times I said it, didn't do anything. And then I said it again and again and again. And pretty soon, whatever that thing was, I, th I believe it was the devil, uh, pretty soon, whatever that was, it began to lift off. I was fine. I went back to sleep. But I could have entertained that thought or if I could have come against that thought with the Word of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Let's all say it. I have, I have. Power, power, love, love. and a sound mind. All of us will be attacked with fear. It started in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. And I want to share that with you just for a moment. When God came down to fellowship, God knew what had happened. God knows everything about everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows everything about you. <laughs> and you're still here. That just shows you how much God loves you. But God loves, knows everything about us. And in John chapter 3, verse 10, when God came down, uh, Adam finally said, he said, we were hiding and we were afraid. It wasn't that they were afraid of the devil, although they would eventually fear the devil. They were afraid of God. The fear that came into mankind was because man separated himself from God, allowed sin to come in, and was afraid of the very thing that would set him free. They were hiding from God. Have you ever hid from God? Have you ever tried to stay away from God when you were doing bad? When sin comes in and instead of running to God, you want to run away from God? You, you, you don't want to go to church anymore? You don't want to hear the Word of God? Why? Because you've got condemnation and conviction coming on you at the same time. Condemnation from the devil and conviction from the Holy Spirit. And what we should do is understand the importance of how much God loves us. Tell your neighbor, God loves you. Now, I want to give you a couple of scriptures here, and one of them I already gave you, but it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says the greatest gift is love. We know in John 3, 16, it says God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would have eternal life, everlasting life. And that God's love is agape love, which means He loves us without condition. Let's just say, no conditions. So therefore, we know who loves us more than anybody. I thank God that my wife loves me, but God loves me more than she loves me. I thank God that I love my wife, but God loves her more than I love her. God's love is the most important ingredient and asset and weapon that you and I have. Because in this earth and on this world, He has your back. He has your finances covered. He has your victories. He has everything lined up for you. He knows where He wants to take America. He knows what He wants to do for your family. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. 
He wants to give you good things. So when we know how much God loves us, we will never entertain fear because we know that fear will always make the difference. Now, you may say, well, what, what, about, if, you know, what about failures? What about things like this? All of us have had failures from time to time, but God will pick us up and turn it around and use it for good because God love, His love always makes the difference. He will turn everything around and use it for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So let's just say, I love God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, and God loves you. Now, fear is so real. Every one of us experience it. I thought about this story. I, I probably have told it years ago, but these two guys are, are in a campfire, <clears throat> two friends, and they're sitting out there camping, and they got the fire going, and they're roasting hot dogs, and all of a sudden, a grizzly bear breaks into the camp. And the grizzly bear stops and looks at him, and he's getting ready to charge. And the one friend looks toward the other friend, and he says, what are we going to do? And the one friend says, I'm running. And the other friend says, you can't outrun that bear. And he says, I don't have to outrun the bear. All I have to do is outrun you. Uh, the, you know, sometimes friends will let you down. And, and that can be a real snare, uh, uh, people thinking about people making the difference in your life. Every single one of us have been disappointed from some, by somebody. We have disappointed somebody. It's all a matter of opinion is how you look at it. But if you understand how much God loves you, that he's always got your back. Tell your neighbor, God's got your back. And that therefore we are going from glory to glory and no matter what happens, as much as I hope the person that I voted for becomes president of the United States, he's not going to make a difference. The Republicans, the Democrats, the Independents, the Libertarians, none of them are going to make a difference. The only difference is what Franklin Graham has been preaching forever and Billy Graham, and that is this nation must return to God. This nation must return to Jesus. If we do that, we'll be okay. If we don't, it doesn't no matter what party is in the office. Now, we know God cares who's in office and who's in authority, but it's not a person that's going to make a difference. We have to understand how much God loves us, and I believe how much God loves America. We are still a bright light to this world. That light hasn't gone out, but it is flickering. And we've got to understand that we, under no circumstance, can entertain fear. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but we have power love and a sound mind. Everybody say that. Now that's not bad, but if I played that back to you, it would be like, I have power, love, and a sound mind. I think the devil loves to attack, and the moment he knows that we dwell upon what he's trying to get us to think about, the more we will entertain fear. What do we have? Oh, that sounds good. One more time. And therefore, when you greet the devil like that, understanding who you are in Christ, it will change your life. And we are to be imitators of God, and God is not fearful of anything. Now, let's look at 1 John chapter 4, because this is primarily the scripture that I want to share regarding no fear. I'm not going to tell the story, Joe, about going sailing, I mean going uh, parasailing. They'll all want to hear it. But you can all see Joe right after the service, and he'll talk to you about, about going parasailing. Uh, my sister-in-law is not in here, Chris, but uh, where is Chris? She's normally in the first service. She went where? Foot bugging. 
the Colts. How do you get out of church and go to a football game? Nobody gave me a ticket. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, okay. Well, praise God. Who? Oh, Sue. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Chris went to the football game. Excuse me. Why went to next door because... Sometimes it's the only way to keep her quiet. <laughs> First John chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, <laughs> Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. God has no fear. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Let's all say, God has no fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you entertain fear and allow fear to consume you and allow fear to affect you, the problem is, are you ready for this? The problem is you. Turn to the neighbor and tell them the problem would be you. How can you say that because I fear so fearful? It says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Therefore, if we understand God's love for us and we have allowed that to come into our heart and that perfect love absolutely consumes us, we refuse to entertain fear ever. So therefore, we are in the image of God as he wants us to be, Ephesians 5, 1. And we walk in the fullness of that perfected love so that there is no fear. We love him because he first loved us. So therefore, love is the most important ingredient that we have to combat fear. It's not faith, although you have to have faith, but Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by? Faith works by? Faith works by? So therefore, our faith is strong because our love is strong. I know how much God loves me. He's going to take care of me. There's never going to be a problem. I started to use Chris as an example a moment ago when I realized that she's not at the Colts game. She is next door, and Sue is at the Colts game. I got it quickly. But, but anyway, we, we, you, some of you have heard this story, but we went to Kings Island, took the youth group back in that era. We were taking them uh, every 
every year to Kings Island at the end of their school year, and, and Mike couldn't go. They were with the youth, directing the youth at that time, and so it was Pam and I and Chris and, and I don't know, about 30 youth, 40 youth, and, and so we're going in, and everybody wants to go to the beast, the first thing, and I said, yeah, let's go to the beast. I love riding the beast, the roller coaster, and, and so, and, and Chris said, oh, I can't ride it. I'm afraid of it. And as soon as she said that, I should not have, but I turned to her in front of all the youth and I said, Chris, you cannot be afraid to ride the beast. That cannot be the reason you don't want to ride the beast. That is fear. You can't do that. Well, the youth heard me and they picked up on it. And so they were after Chris all day long to ride the beast. And so finally... And Chris would not ride the beast. And finally, we rode the beast a bunch of times that day. And finally, the last time, the park was closing, and we were going to go ride the beast one more time. And I was with the kids there, and, 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 and they were just saying, Chris, Chris, you can't be afraid not to ride the beast. And finally, she said, okay, I'll ride the beast this one time if I can be in the car with Bill, because I know God's not going to take him. And I... I I don't, I don't know exactly where that came from, but that's what she said. And I said, okay. So we, we rode the beast together. When we got done, the youth were just screaming, so happy, excited that Chris rode the beast. And I came off there, and we're all walking down the thing. And I said, Chris, I'm really proud of you. You really, you really defeated that fear. You got to ride the beast. And she said, yep, and I'm never riding that again. <laughs> oh, praise God. Turn to your neighbor and tell we've got to defeat our fears. They were defeated on Calvary, but we've got to walk it out. In other words, whatever God tells you to do, you can do it. If God tells you to ride the beast, ride it. But if you don't want to ride the beast, don't ride it. But don't say you're not doing it because of fear. Fear factor in your life will stop you. It will affect your health. It will affect your mind. Your mind dwelling on things that shouldn't dwell on. One of the greatest victories in the world that you can have is victory over fear. And love will cause that to happen in your life if you understand it and you entertain it. Now, one thing, I want to give you a couple of scriptures here that are so important regarding fear. In the book of Romans chapter 8, we're going to be reading in verse number 15, it talks about how we have been set free from the bondage of fear and that if we don't walk out that freedom, we can, we can try to return to it. And in, in Romans chapter 8, it's verse number 15, it said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So in other words, before you receive Jesus in your life, there was a spirit of bondage to fear in your life and on your life. All of you know that. Whether you realize it or not, once you got saved, you realized the bondage of fear that was on your life before. A lot of people say it's the family line or whatever. You are influenced by your family line, but you are not moved by your family line once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Nothing changes who you are based on a family line if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There are learned traits and characteristics that people have because of the exposure they have. But once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no more bondage to fear. If you're here today and you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's all say it. I, I'm not in bondage to fear. I am totally free from fear. There's a story 
I, I think it's true. I don't know if it's true, but I've read it in several books uh, stating that it was true. But Houdini was one of the greatest uh, uh, sleight-of-hand magicians in, in the world at one time, back in the 30, 20s, 30s, 40s, I believe. And he, he would have a, a, a tendency of, of doing sleight of hands, and he, uh, I don't know what you call it, when you can swallow something and you can regurgitate it, uh, there's a name for that, and I don't recall what it is, but that's one of the tricks that he used to use, that he would swallow certain keys that could pick locks, and then uh, he could regurgitate it out into his hand, and that this one time he was, he was challenged by a new jail that was open in London that no one would be able to get out of this jail. And, and it, the challenge was that he would go to be locked up in this jail and that if he could get out at that time, I think they offered him $10,000 or something like that. One of the common things that came out later after his death as to what he did is that he would take this key, swallow it, and the last thing he would do before he, uh, uh, the way he would get the key is the last thing he would do before he would go into whatever situation it was, he would give his wife a kiss and she would say a word over him. Well, in that kiss, she would, in her mouth, have a little key, and then that would be set, pushed into his mouth, and then he would have that key there. And so what happened when he got into this jail, just before he got into the jail, he went to kiss his wife, and they said no, no contact whatsoever. So he couldn't kiss his wife. He went into this jail cell without that final kiss, meaning he didn't have the key that could open that cell. And he's in this cell locked. Everybody's gone. Back then they had no cameras. Everybody's left. And he's in the cell, and there's all sorts of commotion before they shut the door, press and everybody there, and everybody went out into another room. And supposedly, as the story goes, he's sitting there realizing this, I'm, I'm finally going to have a defeat. And he got up and he started walking around. And as he walked around, he just happened to lean against the door to the jail. And the door came open. And in all of the confusion, as the story is told, in all of the confusion, they had forgot to lock the jail door. And when the jail door opened, he walked out. He never told them until many years later the story. He didn't tell them at all that he walked out. And they thought, oh, what a great miracle. There are a lot of people locked in cells. And they're cells of fear. What they're fearful of because we've been set free from a bondage of fear. What if fear had a root, and that that root, once it was broken, would set you free from fear for all times? Well, number one, it does have a root. And if you get rid of the root, you get rid of, of, of the evil fruit of fear. And I'm going to show you what that root is right now, because once, the, once this happens in your life, you will never, ever be the same. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. I believe that as we continue on into the end times, and a lot of people don't like to talk too much about the end times, because when you read about it, it's going to get pretty gory. But the good news is that just before the great tribulation, 
we're going to be raptured out of here. And I have a friend, and maybe some of you even in this church, I have a friend, Dwayne Kirshner. I love Dwayne. Dwayne Kirshner is a missionary down in Mexico. He's accomplished so much for the glory of God. He believes that the church is going to go through the rapture. And every time he talks to me, he tries to bring up the rapture. We don't talk that often, but he tries to bring it up. And I said, well, Dwayne, you're going through the rapture, and I'm going to be praying for you, but I'm going to be up there in heaven with Jesus. And, and uh, he, says, he says, well, I don't know. I, I think this, this, and this, and this. And I said, well, I believe the scriptures that we're going to be raptured out of here first because God loves us. That's his nature. <clears throat> he loves his church. He loves all the people of the world, but he loves his people. He loves his church. And, uh, and every time when we have this conversation, I'll say, Dwayne, there's one thing I know for sure. Even though we don't agree on the rapture of the church, even though we don't agree, I know that you hope you're wrong and I'm right. And there will always be a little hesitation. And then they say, well, you're right about that. <laughs> I hope you're right and I'm wrong. I believe that God's wrath is coming upon the world after we're out of here because God loves me. He's not going to pour his wrath out upon me. He's not going to pour his wrath out upon you. He's going to pour the wrath out upon the world. Why would a God that loves the world pour his wrath out upon the world? Because of his love. He's going to bring the wrath upon the world that's left after the rapture to give them one more chance to repent. It's the love of God, the love of God that dispels all fear. So if we can get to the root of fear and we can say, okay, where does the root come from? It doesn't come from your aunt. Turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't come from your aunt. Doesn't come from your mom. Doesn't come from your in-laws. Doesn't come from your outlaws. Doesn't come from the person you're married to. It comes from the devil. And the devil is out to do what? Kill steal and to destroy but jesus said as kelly said earlier he came to give us abundant life and more abundantly so therefore the root of fear is in the devil and the devil deals in death and the occult in hebrews chapter 2 now if this i i heard this for the first time by billy joe doherty back in 1982 and it just absolutely set me free. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. The power of death through the devil has been destroyed. Now look at verse number 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. In other words, the root of fear in mankind is rooted in death. Now, if the rapture does not come until after your life on this earth ends, when your life on this earth ends and you breathe your last breath on this earth, what happens at the very moment of death? You breathe your first breath with Jesus because the Word of God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
So the moment you end your life on this earth, who are you with? The person who loves you most. Who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? The person who loves you most. Is there any fear in death? No. That will be the most beautiful experience of all. And I remember hearing Billy Joe say this for the first time in 1982, that when people get delivered from the fear of death, the root of fear is broken in their life. Now, you don't want to get silly about this. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not ready to die. But if you settle the issue about death, when Pam, Pam didn't think this was as funny as I did, but when it's up there getting those stents, this it wasn't the last time because I saw how she reacted the first time. But the first time when I was laying there, I said, honey, I think I'm going to make it. I think everything's okay. But if this is the moment that I don't make it and I go on to be with Jesus, you just go on, find you somebody else and be happy, but just don't hold them to my standards. She did not... <laughs> She did not think that was funny at all. Now, was I joking? Yeah, I was lighthearted about it, but I have no problem dying. But if you fear death, then the open door to fear will be with you the rest of your life. Does that make sense? Because some people can't grasp this. So I'm going to say it again, because if you, if you don't get this, we've just wasted 90 minutes. Well, not 90. I've only been up here 30. But we just wasted 30 minutes if you don't get this. If you have fear of death, then fear always has an open window in your mind. If you got it, can you raise your hand? In other words, you've got to get over the fear of death and you say, you know what? I plan to live long and healthy life serving God, but when the moment comes and I'm out of here, I'm okay because I'm going to be all right. Now, will there be grieving with all the family missing me? Hopefully, but no. You understand what I'm talking about? You got to get to the point when you just are not going to let that fear of death consume you. You're just going to walk fullness and think, I love God. God loves me. God's going to take care of my health. He's going to take care of my mind. I am not going to be fearful about anything. Fear is the greatest obstacle we face, and love has conquered fear. Let's stand to our feet and worship the Lord because we are going from glory to glory. And no matter what it happens, no matter how dark it gets in this world, no matter how much shaking is going on, people who will not succumb to fear are going to come to the forefront. We're going to need people like that who are going to be able to lead us and guide us and take positions of authority and be there for the family and say, look, God is going to turn this thing around and he's going to use it for good. Fear comes through that.